So pretend this is in Julia's voice. Hey there, welcome to All of the Above, a podcast that's usually about design, code, and learning. My name is Sean, and I am usually joined by two other guys, Brian Brush and Sam Banner. For the next couple episodes, we're going to change it up a little bit, though, because our schedules haven't really lined up well enough to record another couple episodes. So instead of leaving you empty-handed, we figured we'd do solo episodes. So for these solo episodes, what's going to be nice is we'll each dive deeper than we usually do into our respective fields. So this one will be pretty design heavy, almost exclusively actually. And you can expect the same for Brian to be very instructional, design, learning oriented, and Sam's being programming related. So for my topic, it'll be about how context is king when you're trying to design for an experience. And if this sounds familiar, I actually wrote about this on my site about a month ago but it never hurts to have things repeated. There's a, a rule out there that you have to hear something seven times before it actually sinks in. So if this is your first time, that's awesome. This is your second, even better. So it's about how context is king. So your day can be broken into two categories, inputs and outputs. It's a cat and mouse game of stimulus and response that starts the instant your phone's alarm wakes you up to the moment you slip into sleep. Things happen, it's up to you to react, and hopefully in the best possible way. The unfortunate thing is that willpower is a finite resource because you, you see everybody has a different amount of self-control and it replenishes at different rates. So from the user's perspective, that is a, a living, breathing person, it's about managing the inputs so they have better outputs. But you can't play God and manage all the inbound traffic attacking our senses. It's impossible. You can't will things into existence. You can't get extra hours in a day. And if you can do either of those things, let me know. But in the end, it's all about inputs and outputs. So this is how I see the role of a designer. It's our job to design for great outputs, great experiences, not just the aesthetic, but distilling the essence of what's being conveyed to provide a concentrated dose of meaning. What we produce is destined to be used by other people. It's our duty to ensure that the time others spend with our creation is beneficial, not detrimental. See, everyone is an experienced designer. It's just that most people can find titles that are even more indicative of what kind of value they provide. So musicians design landscapes of sound to invoke feelings, emotions, and memories. Athletes design themselves into well-oiled machines, pushing the boundaries of humanity while inspiring and entertaining others. Politicians design the laws of the land, creating an infrastructure to support people to do amazing things. If you call yourself a designer, then your design decisions should be informed by all the relevant information you can possibly absorb, just like the jazz musician. Your design decisions can't be arbitrary. They have to serve a purpose. Just like the athlete that's in competition, everything is calculated. Every step, every breath, every head movement, the higher the stakes, the less room there is for error. Like the politician, the designer must work with their constituents to create the infrastructure for future work to successfully build on top of. The musician is nothing without anyone to hear them. The athlete can't compete if there aren't competitors. And the politicians are useless without constituents. You see, design doesn't happen in a bubble. With user experience design, it's about focusing on the person that will be using your work within a context. That last part, in a context, is of the utmost importance. Without that, you've got nothing. Actually, it's, it's worse than nothing. Without context, you lose all the meaning to what you're going towards. When defining the context that people will be using your creation in, the level of detail is up to you. 
Just don't get too caught up in creating a fantasy universe. Remember that the purpose is to uncover insights you might have not discovered otherwise. So one way to help identify users, their situations, and possible needs that your design hasn't met yet is with user personas. They're helpful at the start of projects, especially if you're designing something from scratch, as you might not have a user base to glean information from. This does take a little creative writing ability, but not much, as everything should be centered around providing insights to help you towards your goal, designing for an amazing experience. So here is going to be a user persona I just made up. Now there are going to be details I included in the beginning that don't really matter as much as I filled out the persona. For example, oldest of three, travel to Europe. But it helps make this fake person more real in my mind. So here's an example of a user persona I made for a person that's considering downloading a photography application called ViscoCam or V-S-C-O Cam. Her name is Julia Fredericks. She's 23 and she lives in Reykjavik, Iceland. Her technical comfort is uh, good at basics, but she gets frustrated rather easily. And her job title right now is a full-time student and a part-time waitress. So here's Julia's backstory. Julia is the oldest of three with two younger brothers, one of which was adopted. She's been in Iceland her whole life, except for when she traveled around Europe for two months when she was 21. For fans of Myers-Briggs, she is an INFJ that enjoys interacting with people mostly online through Twitter and Instagram. An INFJ stands for introversion, intuition, feeling, and judging. On episode 11, we actually went in depth with personalities, so we're going to learn more about that. That's a great episode to listen to. Julia loves exploring nature and enjoys sharing great outdoor photos with Instagram from her white iPhone 5C. She isn't a trained photographer and doesn't worry about editing too much, but is constantly trying to improve. Currently, she's studying communications at college, but has switched her major a couple of times. So now we see that we have a, a better picture of who Julia is, rather than just random user 1256. So here are now some motivations for her to download Visco. And these are all said from the perspective of Julia. So pretend this is in Julia's voice. Why do I need to spend money for a photo editing app if Instagram's built-in stuff is fine? Lots of people I follow on Instagram use other apps to edit their photos, and I want to be as good as them. And the last one. I see lots of other great photographers use Afterlight and Visco, so they must know something I don't. So now you can see some of her inner workings. She isn't super confident in her ability, but she wants to learn. So now we're going to go into frustrations that she might have. And again, these are all said from Julia's perspective. So if I take photos with Visco, where do they go? Will my photos be duplicated if I use another app? I hardly have enough room as is. I don't want to take a lot of time messing with my phone. I'd rather look at a sunset than at a screen. The last time I downloaded a photo editing app, I lost some photos. I don't want that happening again. So now you can see, okay, we know who she is, what her motivations are, what pain points she might have, or what kind of frustrations she has or she might have. So now I'm going to paint Julia's ideal experience. Again, this is all fiction, but it's a good exercise. So Visco is free with in-app purchases for more filters, so she won't have to spend any money up front. This targets her concern about having to buy apps because she is cost conscious. With the Visco grid, which is a feature within Visco, which is pretty cool, it shows really cool photos, Julia can explore more photos and photographers for inspiration online. Visco's copy and paste feature makes it easy to apply the same fine-tune effects, saving time. This addresses her frustration about how she'd rather look at a sunset than at our screen. Also, Visco allows Julia to learn more about exposure and focus controls, something that she hasn't explored before. So here's another quote from her, but this time it's after she's downloaded and used Visco. So again, pretend that I'm Julia. 
So Visco was intimidating at first and very artsy. I still feel like I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but the grid keeps me going. Still, I'm constantly running out of space. With that done, I can now look at the pain points the current design might not address and also see what areas to improve upon. You might want to do more than one to give you a wide range of perspective to look from and different demographics. There might be opportunities to work with whoever does the marketing, which might even be you, to see if it might just be a communication problem that creates false expectations or doesn't clearly communicate what is actually happening. So I know that was short and sweet. That's what these solo episodes are all about. And if you're interested in creating your own user personas for your project to uncover gaps in your design, I actually made a nice template for you to use for your next or current project. It's easy to create multiple personas in all in one file, share them with your team, and even print them out for your next meeting. There is simply a keynote or a PowerPoint template, whichever one floats your boat. If you head on over to our website, which is alloftheabove.audio slash episodes slash 20, you will find this episode's show notes. You'll find links to download those templates. That wraps it up. If you have any feedback for this new format that we'll be doing for the next couple episodes, let us know if you go to alloftheabove.audio slash contact. Also, if you enjoyed this episode or any of the previous ones, you can leave us a rating on iTunes. If you go to alloftheabove.audio slash review. If you want to contact me personally, you can go to my website, which is spjpgrd.com, or I'm on Twitter at spjpgrd. And you can probably find me anywhere else online with that username, which is spjpgrd. It's quite handy. Cool. Thank you for listening, and have a great week.